Our guest for this episode is a young woman in her 30s, sharing her life as well as a reserved job with a kind and loving partner with whom she feels connected and safe. However, 18 months ago, this young woman started seeing a therapist. Back then, she was struggling with extreme perfectionist and demanding parts that could exhaust her, trigger anxious and depressed parts that very often exiled Mary in her bedroom for days. Today, we invite Mary to share her journey on internal family systems therapy. Mary, thank you so much for willing to sit with me and being open and vulnerable and share this journey of yours. When and why did you decide to start seeing a psychotherapist? I guess it was like around a year and a half ago that I started. So I had a period where I was um, feeling quite down. So I was at the end of my PhD, which is kind of a challenging time in terms of mental health. It's a very stressful time and it comes with a lot of challenges into our well-being. I think it's something that happens to a lot of people as well at the end of their PhDs. And I started feeling uh, rather depressed. I was really struggling uh, with, uh, let's say, life in general. And uh, so in the beginning, I was a bit um, reticent, let's say, to to start therapy. I, I tried it in the past, but kind of didn't find a therapist that I really felt like a connection and that it fit. But talking to family members, they sort of convinced me that uh, I needed help. How old were you at that time? Uh, 30, 30 years old. So for how long are you sitting with your psychiatrist? Now for a year and a half. And well, uh, it changes a bit depending also on, because I have uh, my work life is not really uh, stable. It kind of changes. The schedule changes every week. But we try to keep it on a once-a-week level, whenever possible. And what were the problems or issues or concerns that lead you to look for help back then? So it was a, a mixture of the so these challenges at work. That uh, I think a lot of it happens to a lot of people that go into scientists. There's a tendency for us to be perfectionists. And science in general is kind of a very challenging career in that regard. So the positive reinforcement is very rare and far between. But negative reinforcement is uh, present almost on a daily basis. Sometimes sounding like criticism. The idea in science is a bit like uh, that we criticize each other's experiments, that we're always looking for the weak points. So this means that every time you bring your work out, the, the first response is criticism. So uh, and on a daily basis, when you're also having a very stressful job and uh, you have to work a lot, it's not always very easy to, to handle. 
when there's no one telling you, well, this and this could be improved, but you also did a good job on this and this. So it's so I think this was the the trigger. But uh, what uh, uh, led me to to also being in a state, being triggered by this, to be in a state that I felt really bad was when I was uh, 24. My mother committed suicide. At the time, I didn't allow myself to really process it. It was kind of, uh, it was a part of me that was still in a lot of pain and that was, that I created a lot of protectors around it to, to, to try to not listen to it and not feel the feelings that it is. So I think when I became more frail due to all this stress and so on, it kind of everything bubbled and came up at the same time. And it was just too much to handle. So when you start sitting with your psychotherapist, the, the topics were? Uh, so it was basically this perfectionist side and not blaming myself for not uh, connecting my self-value and my self-worth so much to my success in my career. So this, this at the time they were very tied up. So it's uh, it was very important for me to realize that uh, just because if I fail at something, it's not doesn't mean that I'm worthless in a way. As we hear Mary sharing her journey, we can still feel those strong managers present in her voicing and system, struggling to protect her from vulnerability, keeping a position of control. But now Mary seems aware of it, relating with her system and also using parts language and opening way to self-regulation. So you spend some time seated looking at this perfectionist part of yours? Exactly. So, and, and this uh, self-critic as well. So these were like the two parts that were uh, um, very uh, active at the moment. And I couldn't really disconnect myself from them. So I had to spend quite some time working on uh, also trying to um, connect with my self-critic and trying to understand why is it that... Uh, it's so active and how to get it to calm down a bit. <laughs> Let me live, in a way. <laughs> and how was it, the journey of getting to know those parts of yours? It was very interesting, actually. So it's like I, I was a bit skeptical in the beginning, I must say. But uh, I'm also, I was also a person that uh, did a lot of self-analysis, I thought. So I thought, in a way, I thought I knew better <laughs> when I started the journey. But I always got surprised by that with the help of my therapist, how, how much of myself I still didn't know. And how, where the roots of this self-critic came, uh, uh, 
how could I establish a line of communication with this part of myself that enabled myself to calm this part down and kind of calm its fears? And because in the end, it was the, the self-critic was trying to protect uh, a part of me that was terrified of failure. So this was the work we had to do to uh, kind of uh, connect to this part to, to, so that it could let go of the fact that the world ends if I fail at something, which is, of course, not true, but you can be led to believe in this. So in a way, you entered a whole new world, the inner world. Yes, exactly. So it's just a... Right now, I feel like there's a million people inside of me. It's very interesting to open these lines of communication and and try to uh, to see that uh, beneath it all, it's always like kind of a part that is vulnerable that needs our help. So this was a, a fascinating journey I, I found. Challenging for sure, because it's... Uh, some parts were easier than others, but uh, it's not always easy sometimes to communicate to oneself. And there's also sometimes some parts that I felt like were hiding for so many years that uh, getting there was uh, not easy. So it took you a while until you could befriend those parts and get to know them. Uh, for sure. Uh, many sessions uh, trying to first uh, peel back all these uh, protecting parts that were kind of protecting what was the vulnerable parts that were beneath. So looking back, how did it went? I think in the beginning it was very challenging. It was also a very scary situation in a, in a, a way. Now I kind of uh, trust the process a bit more, of course, and I trust my therapist and I trust myself also to be able to handle it. But the first times you do it, it's rather scary to go to these very vulnerable places because it's it's not a comfortable feeling, of course. It's, there's a reason why we're trying to avoid this part of ourself, I think. But once I did it, I started feeling better and it kind of filled me with hope as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started to get into a place where I don't, uh, regarding work and uh, whatever ups and downs I have, I don't take it as personally. So it's more of a, yeah, this happened, but it doesn't mean that... Uh, I'm less valuable or I'm less intelligent or less capable of doing my job or less talented. It just means that uh, something, I didn't do something as I wished. So it's uh, through this establishing also this uh, communication with both my self-critic that is very active and uh, this part that's uh, terrified of failure. I think it's much easier now not to get into a desperation every time something is less than perfect.
maybe also you start seeing others in different way? Yes, I think the three parts that I most did work on or the three subject areas in, in this process were this perfectionist part, which is also connected with self-critic and so on. So the, the grief from my uh, mother's death. And the third part was also um, a very empathetic part I, uh, I have. Because I, I think I, I'm a very sensitive person and I tend to kind of suffer disproportionately with other people to a point that sometimes it doesn't allow me to function. So if a loved one is suffering, I, it destroys me. So in a way, it changed the way I see others because I learned to, instead of uh, looking at others so much in an empathetic part, which means that I'm suffering terribly as well, but more in a compassionate part, so that I still uh, have a lot of compassion for others, but don't get so affected inside. And also it helped me be less angry, I think. So when I felt like someone had hurt me, nowadays I can see the parts in others that are their motivations a bit better and that people are not perfect. So it's, it's easier to deal with people, I think, in a way. So you are saying that you understand better what is going on with you now and also with others around you? Yeah, for sure, definitely. And for you, some of your topics or issues or concerns are more acceptable or understandable now than were back before. I think especially when it came from my mother's grief, there was a lot of that I didn't understand about the feelings I had because I didn't want to face them. And this was a process of uh, understanding this uh, and uh, mm -hmm figuring out what all this means, all the feelings I was having. And this was, I think, was the main part that I really needed some guidance to understand myself. Not only myself, but also the other members of my family that went through this process. And how grief impacted them also it helped me understand this better and be able to connect better with them. So you are saying that you could finally accept and be more open to your grieving process and you could welcome these parts of yours that were somehow feeling abandoned or angry towards what happened to your mother? So this is a subject that I'm still to work in progress with my therapist because it's, uh, it's of course, it's multi-layered and uh, there's a lot to work on in that regard because of course when a family member also commits suicide this was not like a one-time event so my mom i think she was struggling with she had some very serious trauma when she, she in her childhood mm -hmm. and she was struggling with depression her entire life that uh, we didn't i didn't realize when i was a child of course but then it became more and more serious and she was in therapy for many years, but uh, struggled to really get uh, serious improvement. 
and she committed suicide after a number of attempts as well. And I think every attempt was a bit traumatic. Um, so of course, all of this, it's a lot to, to process. So I feel like there's still a lot of pain. That I, That is uh, something that still needs to be handled because I think I created also so many parts of me that were protecting this vulnerable part that's uh, in so much pain over this, that I kind of need to peel them off one by one and uh, make sure that they allow me to assess this part so it's still work ongoing. But I feel like I still managed to um, get rid of some uh, heavy burdens I had. So I think... A part of me was feeling uh, indeed very angry about everything that happens and angry towards everyone in the end. Towards my mother, towards my whole family, towards myself. And uh, I feel now that I'm in a place that I managed to reconnect to this part and process this anger and... Um, I think this feeling of anger towards this subject disappeared. So, and uh, the other part that I think it was uh, had a great impact is, of course, I had a, I felt a lot of guilt over it. So it's, I think it's it's very hard when discussing when someone commits suicide not to wonder, what else could I have done? What could I have done differently? How could I have helped? What were the mistakes I made? So it's it always felt in a in a way that it was my fault what happened. And this is a part that I felt like I've worked through a lot. And uh, now the feelings I have when I think about my mom are not of guilt anymore. There's still pain, but it's not. Um, it's more sadness. Exactly. It's it's so it's not. I passed the angry and the guilt, and now it's just sadness. And, uh, Does it feel different to hold that sadness than to hold the guilt or the anger? Uh, this this is a difficult question. I don't know because I feel like there's so much pain still. But I think it's still easier to hold just the sadness than the combination of the sadness and the anger and the guilt. And it's it's a lot. It's a lot less. It feels right. It's um, and just not having the feel anymore. Feeling anymore that this is my fault has helped me tremendously. I think it's feeling better. There is. Somehow I understand this grieving process that is a work in progress, as you said, and that is still going on and still needs your attention. Yeah, sure. Mary, we can see this is a beautiful work in progress. What hopes do you still keep regarding feeling better and stronger? I hope I... So the, the major issue is really this pain and this grief. I hope I can manage to handle it so that it's 
So right now, every little trigger I sometimes have, if there's, a, I don't know, something that reminds me of my mom or or if I, if I connect a talk with someone that went through something similar or something like this that reminds me, there's, I feel like there's a tremendous amount of pain coming up with this. So I hope, and I know that probably it will never, I will never get to a place where this is not in some way painful, but to get into a place that it's a bit more manageable, that it doesn't hurt so much, that I can um, comfort myself a bit better. This is my main hope. I can see you are getting there. Yeah, that's true. Mary, how did the inner work you have been doing in such a courageous and thoroughly way is impacting your life at different levels? You just shared on the internal level how you are doing now. What about the relational level? You also mentioned some differences that you noticed. Is there something you'd like to have? Uh, I think it has had a, a tremendous impact in the relationships with my family because it's um, we all reacted in very different ways to this grief uh, and I think understanding my own grief and my own process made, made it easier to understand that uh, the processes that others went through and some uh, uh, attitudes or reactions that uh, hurt me now I understand them better and understand them that it's not personal. So it's for sure improved my relationship with my family a lot. And also in, uh, in regards to the relationship uh, uh, with my boyfriend, I feel like it has also had a, a great impact because it's, I, I felt I had some trauma. It's something also that I discussed a lot with my therapist. So I had some trauma from a past unhealthy relationship that uh, that I had, like ex-boyfriends, and and that impacted my current relationship. Till now, that in this relationship, I'm in a completely safe space, and it's a, it's a stable, healthy relationship. When there is nothing, I just need to explain myself what I need and want, and there's nothing. Uh, Nothing bad will happen or come out of this. There was still the trauma of the previous relationship. And I sometimes reacted as I would react in that relationship or as the parts that me that were kind of stuck in, in that loop. And working on these parts has helped me a lot in uh, having better communication and uh, better able to explain my feelings and my needs to my partner now. So it's... Makes sense. Beautiful. And Mary, what about your moods and dispositions? How did this inner work of yours is impacting your anxiety or depressive states? I think it's, and it's uh, um, something that uh, I learned also throughout this process. 
we kind of want to, uh, in the beginning when we were down or there's parts of us that we dislike, uh, we kind of want to get rid of, of it all and just eliminate it within ourselves. But throughout this process, I kind of understood that this is first not possible and also not wanted because all these parts came up to have a function uh, of some sort. And in the same way, I think it's, there's still parts of me that struggle with a lot of things. And there, there's still triggers that can get me down. But I feel like my ability to recover from it, it uh, has gotten much better. So I feel like there's still triggers that will make me want to drop everything and stay in bed and uh, not talk to anyone and just be sad. But I, I kind of now can uh, overcome this and uh, feel better in, in a short period of time. And something that when I started this journey will leave me in bed unable to function for weeks now takes a few hours. Wow, amazing. So this is, has been an amazing improvement. And every time this happens, it also gives me more hope and belief and makes me believe more in myself that I can overcome these feelings. So it's, 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 it's a continuous improvement, I feel. Beautiful. So you keep hope. What hopes do you keep regarding the future? I think it's uh, first the hope of uh, more self-discovery because I, I, I think most uh, sessions I have with my therapist, I, I tend to find something new about myself. And I think that's something very beautiful in a, in a way to know oneself a bit better and uh, to, to understand all the complexity that lives inside of us. Um, and also hope that uh, uh, that I learn to value myself more. Something that's also been an ongoing uh, work with my therapist is um, I have this ten natural tendency to put everyone else before me. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll prioritize uh, all my loved ones and put their needs and their wants before my, my wants and needs. It has been a process of seeing that I'm also worth of being prioritized. And, and I think this is a, it's an important work because we should value ourselves also. It's not, not only others. Mary. It's my hope that you can keep this beautiful journey of yours as long as needed and as productive as it has been with such beautiful discoveries and improvements. And so thank you so much from my heart for willing to sit with me and being so vulnerable and share all that you shared. Thank you. It was a very interesting conversation and journey to tell. Thank you for inviting me. Participants in this episode are real clients with real stories and real voices, their identity fully protected.